Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from, with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Kevin, guess what? What, Rob? We now have over 50 iTunes reviews. <sighs> Huzzah! Huzzah! Indeed! Oh. We are climbing those iTunes rating charts. That's amazing. Yeah. How do we climb even higher? Can you take me high enough? Little Rock of Ages for you. Do you know I like that you took it up so high, too? You didn't even, you like went right to the tenor place. I was going to do climb. No Robert Goulet. Like, no. Can you take me high enough? Thanks for coming out tonight. Ooh, and my falsetto there. Thank you. And a little Sergio Frankie? Yeah, a little Sergio. It's never over. <laughs> Much like the 24-hour buffet down in the lobby of the Dunes Casino. Me and Sid the Caesar. Tonight's only at the Mirage. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Well, lovely listeners, this is where you come in. This is how we're going to climb those iTunes rating charts. That's right. Lovely listeners, if you love us, would you go to iTunes? Click on the iTunes store. Search for Behind the Curtain. Broadway's Living Legends. Then click on Ratings and Reviews. Under the Customer Reviews, click Write a Review. Then let us know what you think from one to five stars. That's right. And you can leave comments, too, like, Kevin Thomas is a god. Or, Rob, who the hell is Hervé Villachez? Who who, who, who is Hervé Via, uh, via, oh my god! I fell for it again. You fell for <laughs> that it. wasn't even the, the man script. has never done <laughs> one musical in his entire life, and he gets mentioned more than Steven. Right, Sondheim. but I love him from James the Bond. Okay, anyway, oh, yes. guys, help us out, please. please. Thanks, everyone. Hi, <laughs> and welcome to part three of our interview with the wonderful Richard Maltby Jr. Like we had mentioned last time, the sound is a little wonky on this one, and we tried our best to clean it up. So you're just going to need to push in those earphones just a little bit tighter. Uh, to get a good sense of what Richard is saying. But we're really, really proud of this one, and we're so happy that he sat down with us. And we are looking forward to having him sit down and tell us some more stories in the future. Enjoy part three of Richard Maltby Jr. You were asking about what, was, was it connected to Fosse? Yes. And, uh, and to that extent, it really wasn't at all. In, in this case, um, since there was no story at all that can link to the two halves... Um, I uh, wrote the story. That was what the that's what Cameron and Andrew bought, really. And, right. Uh, you know. Why am I doing this? <laughs> Why not? Why am I putting a little? 
thought you were like, why? oh, I'm sorry. I thought Richard. you were like, why am I here? Why are we talking about this? <laughs> <laughs> I thought I meant that. No, no. Why am I, why am I putting a? But uh, I'm happy if it's between us or the candy. I know. Candy went for us. That's fine. I couldn't do that. It's just gonna rattle around all over. Um, oh gosh! So that okay? Um, so that's that's our that's lovely song and dance wins Bernadette Peters her first Tony Award, and you're nominated for a Tony Award as well. I was yes. Um, did after winning for Ain't Misbehaving and then being nominated, you are now recognized not just as a lyricist, but you're recognized as a director. I mean, obviously you're recognized as a director. But did did I mean did doors open up? I mean, did, did were you able to sort of pick projects at this point? I mean, well, were projects you, were you know I mean. Um, Song and Dance came to me. That you weren't just writing on. I mean, uh, you were directing shows that perhaps yeah, you weren't. I mean, weren't... I, was, I was brought over to be a, a, a lyricist, you know, for, uh, for Aspects of Love. But, but uh, I, you know, they also knew I was a director. So, you know. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, and that um, formed my, uh, you know, it was the first relationship I had with Cameron. Yeah, which which led to led to others. Yeah, obviously. Saigon. Yeah, yeah, and and um, well, speaking on that, so I was curious how you got involved with Miss Saigon, and I mean, obviously, Cameron was the director of that. I mean, it was the producer of that. So, well, the um, uh, the the other person in in the the rehearsals were um, David Caddick at the piano, the music uh, director, music yeah. su- supervisor. Um, uh, me, Bernadette, and uh, Richard J. Alexander, who, ah. was, who was the uh, at that time he was just a stage manager, but he went on to become, become the kind of resident American producer for Les Mis, and yes, and, and, and he uh, directed the tour for a long time. Yeah, and you know he, he was uh, he was the the, uh, the, the king of, of Cameron and you know, Cameron Macintosh in, in yes. the United States. Um, and uh, so, as a result, Richard had watched me work and watched me rewrite on the spot, and and the, the care of you know working out the characters and everything. Um, Les Mis had opened in London. Uh, uh, Claude Michel and, and Alain Boublil had had. Uh, uh, started on this other show that he didn't know anything about. Uh, they have a wonderful process, which I think is really great. Their, their attitude is that they don't talk to anybody else but them, but themselves through, through the first draft. Wow. Um, they don't want to, they don't show it to anybody. After that, they'll open it up and be available for any opinions they get, but they wanted to have one draft that was there mm-hmm. from yeah. beginning to end. Uh, and uh, uh, it was based on this, I mean, a really wonderful premise. Uh, Claude Michaud had seen that famous painting, yeah. a, a photograph, rather, of, of a, uh, a mother giving her child to put on a, to someone who's going to take it on a, on, a, on a helicopter and uh, take the child out of Vietnam um, so that that child would have a better life. Right. Uh, it seemed like that was just a heartbreaking moment about which you could build, you know, a show, and that connected to the plot of Madame Butterfly. Right. And so uh, they uh, they started to work on it. They went back to the original, um, the the novel that mm-hmm. it's based on, by 
Pierre Loti, the French oh. novel, and then the um, original uh, play by uh, uh, David. Uh, oh, uh, Velasco, um, oh. and uh, the and is the Velasco play that is the basis of the Puccini opera. So each one of them changes the story a little bit, right? Um, and they were going to put it and set it in Vietnam, which was a really smart idea. And uh, they write in French, so the, the, when they finished the first act and showed it to Cameron, who was excited by it, um, he got the idea that the show needed, it, it shouldn't be Herbert Kretzmer who had done such with a wonderful job yeah. with, with Les Mis, that because it was in Vietnam, it needed an American writer and um and at that moment i guess richard j alexander said well then you need richard and uh, so uh huh. that's how wow they came over and and, and met me and we, <laughs> we had the wonderful lunch all they wanted to know was about my sex life they just <laughs> <laughs> amazing <laughs> they just, who are you as classic. a person what do yes. you know yeah exactly you know now tell us all that who are you <laughs> seeing you know <laughs> Um, well, ninety ninety one must have been a busy time for you because you were also writing Nick and Nora. Well, no, no, we're talking about eighty seven. Oh, oh, so you worked on Miss Saigon for a... well, Miss Saigon opened in eighty nine. That's London. right in London. It opened ninety one here, but it opened right. in eighty nine in London. So it was it was it was eighty six, eighty seven, ninety eight, ah. and eighty nine. It opened in September. Um, wow! It exactly paralleled closer than ever. Actually, I, I left, which was eighty nine. I left um, the Drury Lane, uh-huh. the biggest theater in London, <laughs> okay. came to the Cherry Lane, which <laughs> the smallest theater in New York. Um, That's amazing. You know, and Versatile. a gigantic show to this four character. Yeah. So, and, and so you've reprised the review again with Closer Than Ever. Uh, was it your idea? Whose idea was that? I had an assistant named uh, Stephen Scott Smith, and he said uh, he was looking to direct things. And he asked if we could, he could take some of the other s- songs... I mean, right. uh, that that existed uh, besides um, the stuff that went into starting here, starting now, and, and uh, do a nightclub event, um, which um, which he did, and it, at a place called Eighty Eights, it was a really terrific supper club down in the village, one of the nicer ones that uh-huh. had an actual stage, um, <laughs> and. Uh, um, and Stephen Holden came to it and wrote this glowing review um, because what we hadn't realized that we had done is we'd sort of written the stage two. I mean, starting here, starting now was about young love. It would, you know, those were those young songs that we wrote when we were younger. And, and um, I had, oh, oh, along the way I had... Uh, had a file uh, that uh, of just song ideas. And people would tell me things, or uh, people would tell me stories, or I'd hear things. I would think that's an interesting kind of contemporary mm-hmm. idea. And every now and then, I'd take one of them out and write a little bit of it, or write a section of it. And then David would write a you know, set some of it, and and slowly it evolved into a um, into a, a series of songs. Mm-hmm. They all 
He put them all into a show called uh, Urban Blight, a, a, a review at the Manhattan Theater Club. But they were some really interesting songs. And uh, um, so Stephen took that plus some other songs that hadn't been used in the other show and then put together this this uh, review. It was just a one-hour show. And it... Um, what it was what it was about was um, the you know it was love stories ten years later twenty years later right. it was about a more mature yeah more mature you know different kinds of you know they were the second time around songs yeah. and uh, yeah uh, and with a different kind of complexity and Stephen Colden got that and said you know these are songs the shows about uh, the show about Life lived over time, uh, which was uh, quite an insight. I mean, suddenly I realized that's exactly what we had written. Uh, yeah. We hadn't intended to do that, but we, by writing personal stories, it turns out they had these things in common. Yeah. And uh, so everybody got excited, and, and uh, um, we decided to move it. We took it to Williamstown to, uh, to test it, and... We added another character. Uh, this Lynn Winterseller was the only girl in the original, and, and uh, um, we added Sally Mays. Um, we had, uh, I think, Mark Waldrop and Brent oh. Barrett were in it, huh. but they're both tenors, and right. so we didn't have a, a another lower voice. So, so uh, Mark didn't stay with us, but uh, we acquired Richard Mullins. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we added a second act, and we wrote some new songs and 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 some other things. That that all became you know closer than ever. Yeah. This was happening sort of over the time while um, song and dance was happening, uh-huh. and, and all in there, all in the eighties. Yeah, um, I can't you know I can't in any way track how any where any of these songs came from. <laughs> uh, you know. Uh, David would give me melodies sometimes, or I'd tape something and bring it out and think, oh, this, that story could go on to this music. Uh, like, I had the idea for Miss Bird, and David had written this song. that was, he written this very elaborate vamp that was supposed to have a melody that was to go over it, and I just wrote the song to the vamp. That's a vamp. That's yeah. Like, and, uh, and that became the melody. <laughs> that became the melody. Amazing. Um, so, um, uh, you know, so so all of that was was going on. Um, when I started working on on Miss Saigon, the um, um, the method that they that Alain used for the writing is he would go away to a hotel someplace for two or three weeks and come back with you know an act. Wow, that's what he did. Um, oh, I should tell you that they gave me. Um, what the, we met and everything and it seemed like an interesting story, an interesting project. And then the, they what what they gave me was the um, the whole first act, played by Claude Michel on the piano and sung by Claude Michel in French. So Amazing. all those recitatives are. Yeah. <laughs> I'm thinking, what on what is earth going on? Is this? Had some pretty melodies every now and then, but I'm thinking, what? I didn't know. I hadn't seen Les Mis, and I didn't know what they were doing with their through-composed shows. 
Um, and also at that time, it's about um, at about that time, um, for ten years after the uh, the fall of Saigon, almost every novel or movie or television show or anything about Vietnam, the Vietnam War, bombed. Mm-hmm. I mean, just the United States did not want to look at it. They didn't. They just didn't want to look at it. Mm-hmm. Um, so the two th- two things happened almost simultaneously. Um, oh, uh, I thought a story about Vietnam was going to bomb, mm-hmm. and also what the hell is this weird music with this French guy <laughs> right. singing? Um, and I couldn't make any sense out of it, so I turned it down. Oh, um, and uh, and they went off to write the second act and everything, and then Platoon opened, which was. Oh, I guess we can look at Vietnam. Now. It's allowed now. Yeah. And then I saw Les Mis and understood what that recitative was. I right. didn't understand it, you know. Um so I'm thinking about it and I thought, um, I should so I called up Cameron and said, Are you have you found hilarious <laughs> yet? He said, No, we were waiting for you, Richard. <laughs> <laughs> you come thought, around. I thought. No, you weren't, but it's fine that you said that. That's really great that you said that. So anyway, that's, that I started working on it. Wow. Can you tell us a little bit about Mr. McIntosh's relationship uh, with his other collaborators and what that process is like? He's a great producer. Hmm. Um, he was particularly a great producer early, early on. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, uh, now that he wants to do the Cameron McIntosh Productions... Um, they're, they're they're not the, the they're not as inventive as as the as he was back then. I mean, think of the shows that he he took on. Um, cats, a bunch yeah. of songs about a cat. Right. You know. Um, uh, um, Phantom of the Opera. <laughs> well, Phantom of the Opera. Uh, Apparently, Andrew Lloyd Webber called up Cameron and said, Cameron, I have an idea for a musical. I think we might make make a few Bob. <laughs> and oh, did they ever? Did yep. they ever? Oh, did, yeah. Did, did they ever? Wow. Anyway, so, you know, he did that. And then... Uh, yeah. Um, and the Saigon. And I'm leaving one of them out. What am I, what am I leaving out? Cats. Did he do... Was he producer of Nicholas Nickleby? I mean, that wasn't a no, musical, no, but he was... That was the RSC. Was, no, yeah. but it was because of Nicholas Nickleby that he hired uh, Trevor Nunn and, and, and John, and yeah, John Caird. Caird to pare down this right. huge you know, novel and, yeah. and make a musical. And, of course, it was the, you know, the beginning of, of, uh, of everything. Yeah. Um, as a lyricist, are you open to changes and suggestions from other parties besi- sure. besides your composer? Sure. Yeah. I mean, all the time. And as a director, how do you like to receive notes and feedback on things that you've created or directed? Well, you have to, you, you have to be open to it and you have to listen to it. Um, because what you, what you don't listen to is their solutions. Mm. You know, if someone says... I got bored in here or my mind wandered over in here. That's really useful. Um, 
I got bored in here, but why don't you bring back that girl in, in, in that scene? That's not a very useful movie because you maybe you don't want to bring back the girl and maybe you don't, you know. Um, uh, what Alan and I did was um, uh, we went off to, to a hotel and, um, and we would um, spend two weeks or so um, all of these rather nice places, I have to tell you. It's not so shabby. Well, if you're going to spend two, three weeks in a hotel, I mean... You know, it was at make his it house it. in Gord, which is in Provence. Oh, yes. Or, his, or a hotel in Brittany, you know, or some place in the, in the countryside in England. I yeah. Mean, just, you know, it's not so sh- It was not too bad. <laughs> um, and we would we would do you know, like half the first act or the second half the second act or half the first act or the second half of the first act or all of the second act those are the three parts uh, and then we would type it up and send it off to everybody to think about and then we'd get reactions and then we would move on to wow. the, you know. and the funny thing was that, that we would do the two weeks and then li- literally put it aside I mean not just do something else, you know. Yeah. I, I didn't even think about the show, which was completely unlike anything I'd ever done. Because you know, you you get obsessive, and yeah. the show totally. never goes away, and it's always there. But that wasn't what what we did. We did that. We, um, Alain, uh, who Alain Claude Michel, who can be uh, arrogant sometimes, and they were then very, you know. For, Cocksure because they were running up, riding this gigantic uh, hit. But when we got in the room and started working, it was selfless. It was oh, it, wow. it was totally. What's the solution? How do we make the scene work? What's going to make? What's going to happen here? And basically, what we did was we wrote a play. Mm-hmm. They they had shaped it. They had, and they shaped it brilliantly. But they hadn't written scenes, and they hadn't written real characters. Um, they and uh, so we took largely the score as written, and and made it work for the for scenes. Mm-hmm. Make it made it made it into a story. Um, it didn't change much. I mean, we added oh, wow. why God mm-hmm. why we added a few other things, mm-hmm. uh, and we re- rewrote uh, Helen's song in the second act about twelve times. <laughs> Yep. There was a time when we were going to have a concept album, so we took and did sort of pop versions of all of the songs. They had orchestrated it. They started to record it, and Cameron thought, "This is cheesy," huh. and uh, oh, just wow. eight three hundred thousand dollars worth of record. Wow, and work. Yeah, that's yeah. incredible. Um, that's good that, taste. Well, it is. Yeah. And no, he was he he was um it was his finest hour. He he uh, was going to have Trevor do it. Trevor um chess opened in New York. You know, Trevor had taken over chess from yep. Michael Bennett and uh Cameron said got the idea quite vividly that that Trevor's um brilliance was in period pieces and he wasn't a great director of modern pieces and so he replaced him with you know the unknown up and coming Nick Heitner, Nick Heitner yeah. who was you know breathtaking and, uh, um, and Nick 
when you ask about, you know, do I take things that Nick would do, he would sort of say, well, this line here, that's not as good. You know, and he would nail every single moment when I had, I couldn't come up with anything better, and I just sort of thought, well, I'll get by with this. Yeah, he yeah. nailed every one of them. Wow. Um, oh, he was, he was absolutely um, terrific. But we 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 went set out to write a play, and we and and that's what we did. Yeah. Um, it we wrote a play to pre-existing music, in which all of the key sentences have are going to be accented in this way. Right, oh right. Even gosh. more of a talk what about a puzzle. Challenge. But it's really, it was really you know? a puzzle. It, yeah. puzzle. it happens to be exactly what I love to do. Yeah, I mean, exactly. And it sounds like it was a joyous collaboration between it really, it really was. everyone. I had, I had the best time. It was the best creative experience. Everybody was, everybody was positive. It was moving towards something all yeah. the time. Um, there was no... Um, and what what derails shows is is different people start getting different ideas about what the show is about or right. where it's going, and then it starts pulling apart. And uh, sometimes it can get really contentious. No, oh, no, you're going to do it this way. Uh, or sometimes it isn't contentious, but it is just not a unified vision. Yeah. But there was a unified vision all the way through it. Cameron got the best designers, the best uh, his choices of who he picked. You know. Um, uh, was uh, astonishing. Uh, I mean, he he cares totally about everything, every detail of the show, um, and uh, and has a vision for it. Plus, an actual grandeur in his right. vision, which right. which uh, uh, you know only the great entrepreneurs have. And he and Andrew had beyond. I mean, nobody had those visions. Right. Yeah. Remember that there was it. no such thing as, yeah. as 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 worldwide theater. There were no thing, no such things as shows that went off to be You're done right. in Germany or you know, Vienna or Asia or Tokyo. Tokyo did 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 things, but the 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 worldwide phenomenon of, of it's so true. I know, you know we do take that, and we teach a lot of international students, and no matter what country they come from, the songs that they all have in their books will be from Les Mis. Miss Saigon, Phantom, Phantom. I mean, yeah. they're they are the that's the and, the same language and cats and and, and now uh, you know I mean totally as, as a result you know um, um, hairspray and you know, yeah oh sure because they, indeed they are now worldwide there's now a worldwide theater that's right that didn't exist they invented it um, they they would license in the previously local producers could come in and license a show and then do it somewhere, kind of like at summer stock, right. you know. But they had the idea that they would that they would supervise the production. Their production. Yeah. Their production. So their production went to Toronto. Right. Their production went to Vienna. Their production went to Incredible. Uh, Sweden and, and, and uh, yeah. uh, Berlin and uh, yeah. Stuttgart. And, Everywhere. And then they found that people were actually building theaters for them because the shows were phenomenal so so big for a long time. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at Chabacasino.com. 
Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. I dream the dream of days to come Where sponsorship is high and money is forthcoming That's beautiful, Kevin I really added a voice onto that one, too (laughs) I really was trying to go for something there Listeners, we love creating this podcast But it does cost money Please don't make me sell my Angel record Oh my gosh, the original cast recording of Angel That, like, nobody has Nobody has it If you like what we are doing And want us to keep doing more of it Please head over to Patreon.com That's P-A-T R-E-O-N dot com. Pat Rion. I feel Pat Rion. Yeah, Pat Rion. Rion. Pat Rion. Yeah, once you're there, search for Behind the Curtain Broadway's Living Legends. And of course, we don't expect to give without receiving some great rewards. Such rewards include behind the scenes videos, shout outs on future episodes, or episodes, depending on what part of the country you're from, (laughs) because I said episodes, and early access to some of our podcasts. Hell, for the right price, Kevin and I will come to your apartment and act out all of Agnes of God. (laughs) So head over, friends, to P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com to help us out. Uh, Let's talk a little bit about a movie to musical adaptations, which you've done a, a few times. You you did it with Nick and Nora, and you did it with Big. Mm-hmm. Uh, how exactly does that process, uh, or or seeing seeing something on film before you start creating? Well, the they're not to absolutely that? comparable. Nick and Nora was a new story based mm-hmm. on those characters, and Big was an adaptation of the movie. So then, going back to the first one for Nick and Nora, though, but. Uh, Characters that are familiar with the audience, possibly. Yes, what yeah. what do you honor? What don't you honor? And how do you make that decision? <laughs> well, uh, I came into the project because uh, Charles Strauss was doing it with, uh, uh, and Pete Gurney was going to write the book. Oh, interesting. And, uh, and Arthur was just the director. They were looking for a lyricist. But after about five or six meetings, it became obvious to Pete Gurney that Arthur Arthur's idea, a directorial vision of the show involved writing it. Yeah. Uh, and so he Surprise. said, well, in the nicest way possible, why don't you do it? You're doing it anyway. And, uh, uh, and so, uh, so suddenly I was uh, doing the show with Arthur writing the book, which I don't know if I would have said yes to it because the director was sleeping with a book writer and, uh, yeah. <laughs> and it was exactly. an unholy kind of uh, thing. There was nobody correcting anybody. Yeah. You know, the director, the, the book writer did not have a director saying that doesn't make sense. And, uh, and the director didn't have a writer who was, uh, who was offering a variety of, of, of ideas. So um, the thing about Nick and Nora is these, the two characters are wonderful charming they she certainly ought to sing and dance i mean everything about her was great uh, and arthur wrote some invented a 
really interesting set of characters for the story. He just didn't write a story. He mm-hmm. didn't write a, a. He thought in in uh, the Thin Man movies the the the, the mystery, the murder mystery, was a, was uh, small, and it is sort of not the point. However, it was there. Yes, and there. Is, I mean, the Thin Man is an actual mystery device. Right. A fat man and a skinny man have the same skeleton, and you can't. You know, you can mislead somebody by putting fat clothes on, right. on a on, the, on the, the skeleton of a thin man. Um, in the in the book, that's that uh, device is introduced way late in the story and resolved very shortly after it. Dash Lambert didn't care very much about it, but but uh, but still, it was there. Right, it was a classic Agatha Christie, um, you know. Josephine take you know revelation at the end yeah and uh, and it and he didn't do that for us uh, and and for some reason we were working away and writing songs and everything <coughs> given the, he'd written the first act but he hadn't written mm-hmm. the second act so we're way into working on it we have never read the second act mm-hmm. and suddenly he gives us the second act <clears throat> and lo and behold the uh um, Christine Baranski's the, the the movie star's houseboy is the she, the person she's having an affair with, and he's the one who did it. I read it and said, "Arthur, the butler did it? <laughs> Are you kidding me? <laughs> butler did it? Um, it it was a totally unsatisfying uh, story, and I read it and I thought." Um, you know, this is going to get laughed off the stage as soon as this revelation comes in. We went into rehearsal. Uh, we got through, We, you know, you run throughs at the end of the rehearsal. Nobody laughed at the end, you know. Um, we thought maybe I was wrong and everything. We get to the first performance. Turns out that he did it, and the audience fell on the floor laughing. Oh. At the show. Oh, I, no. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. And it didn't, it unfortunately, did not have a long uh, run. Well, it did if you count the previews. <laughs> <laughs> and the longest, and, I mean, the terrible thing was that when when um, 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 when Spider Man was in previews forever and ever, yeah. they kept saying it's the longest ever, except for you know since Nicanor. Right. I'd hoped that Nicanor would just remain buried, and, you know, <laughs> but they, they just kept bringing it back and bring every wow. time there was an article on this on Spider Man, there was a reference to Nicanor. Oh my goodness! Now we previewed for like seven weeks. Oh right? wow! And finally, uh, finally opened, and uh, I think we closed in a week. <laughs> what were you doing in those seven weeks? Well, Charles and I were rewriting little pieces of the score, and uh, Charles, uh, Arthur was not rewriting any of the story. Uh, oh, wow. Yeah. Jonathan Tunick said it's the most money he ever made on any show because every time he, we, we rewrite something, he'd have to yeah, reorchestrate it. Um, uh, oh, wow. And then Big. So going back, so now looking at Big, which is a movie that everybody is familiar with at the time, um, were you a must have been a fan of the movie, I'm assuming, to... Well, yes. Uh, uh, D, it was David's wife, Dee Dee Khan, who was in the hospital, I think, with some minor something or other, and it was on television, and she said, that's the one you should do. Mm. And um, we looked at it, and we 
uh, we'd gotten to know John Weidman and, and uh, mm-hmm. asked if he would do it. He said he would. And um, John is really, really smart. And, uh, you know, when, with any project, the, almost the first thing you do is you talk about the liabilities. You know, how are mm-hmm. you going to deal with a little kid who appears at the beginning and at the end, and you know, right. uh, how are you going to buy that? And uh, and what is the what is the what is the musical about? What is what is it that you know um, that makes this story hold? And um, at the, in the in the late in the eighties, I think there were, there were quite a number of body changing movies you know oh uh, yes Freaky yeah. Friday Freak, yep. all there was a Lily Tomlin um, Steve Martin movie I All of that, Me All of Me where, where the, they shift characters yeah, there yeah. Were it's still, a whole bunch there you're right a whole bunch of, of, of uh, you wake up and you're, you're the other person uh, right. um, most of them have disappeared um, but Big is iconic so we were trying to figure out what it was and what it really was it, it was that it was about um, uh, the mind. And particularly when you're a child, you really want to skip over the, the bad parts and get to the good parts. Yeah. Um, but it's one of the truisms that life does require that you go through all the steps to get there. And... Um, so it was, it, it was tapping into some something that was basic and, and sort of fundamental to, to human beings. Universal, you know, yeah. something very yeah. universal. We all want to want to we want to do two things. One is we 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 want to get to the good part in the, in the past. You know, and we want to be a we want to be a grown up knowing all the things that we totally. don't know yet. Totally, you know. And to use your words, stop time as well. You well know, yeah. it, you know. So I mean, it it it, it followed that idea, uh, huh. and it 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 made the story. It gave well, stop time is a perfect example. Stop yeah. time, which is about uh, the fact that you, uh, um, you, nobody warns you that you know that parents live with loss. Mm. You're never going to see that two-year-old again. Ever. You're going to get the three-year-old. That's going to be one. But you're never going to get that two-year-old mm-hmm. again. And you're never going to get that three-year-old again. And you're never going to get that ten-year-old again. Mm-hmm. You just, until finally they get big enough to move out, and then you're never going to see them. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's... And just at the moment that you've totally gotten to know some what, someone, they change. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, they become an adolescent. They become something else. They start ang- you know, getting angry at you. Or they, mm-hmm. you know, it's uh, just something that we all live with and nobody ever thinks about. And uh, so, once we had that, once we had a big theme, once we sort of knew why this show existed, we could go to work on it. Wow. And it's chronicled as well in, in a book, I believe. Uh, yes. And I wanted to ask you about <laughs> yes. about the book and your thoughts on the book. The book is called Making It Big. Oh, I didn't. Yeah. Yes. Uh, 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 gosh, I've forgotten the name of the woman who wrote it. But um, uh, uh, she stayed around with us. She came in about halfway through it so that she missed some of the early stages. 
Um, uh, and she chronicled the out-of-town out run and the, and the run in New York. Um, it's, it's interesting, but of course not totally accurate. Um, not because she wasn't accurate, but because nobody really told her <laughs> what really was going on. Sure. I mean, you just, you know, um, the, uh, um, we had raised the, the, the money for the show largely on the, on the strength of the score. And, uh, um, and when Mike Ockrent came in, I mean, we, we had thought that we, that, it, that Susan Stroman was going to direct it, but, uh, but she was, uh, at that time coming off of, uh, crazy for you. And they were now a, a, a couple and they were really working well together. So they decided that they would like to take this on because they wanted to do something modern. Um, and uh, and Mike is is uh, was a, a brilliant uh, force, just the most delightful person. Um, but what he had learned from Crazy for me for you and from me and my girl was uh, how to do comic bits and how to do comic scenes um, and how to fiddle with the, with the comedy scenes. Which was fine in a show that had a set score. You have Embraceable You, it's going to be Embraceable You, even if you do it as a tango, it's mm-hmm. going to still be Embraceable You. But if you've written, as we had written, very precise character songs to set up a scene, and then you start tricking the scene, mm-hmm. the song suddenly doesn't work anymore. Suffers, yeah. And so we, well, and so what happened was in song after song after song, we ended up replacing it with something else. Um, and the replacements were never quite as good as the, as the original. Some of the, some of the stuff was good. Um, and, um, uh, we, um, uh, but the, the show that opened in New York, I wasn't, I didn't feel was, you know, was really, um, the show we wanted. And we had some, the bad luck of opening the, Day after rent, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. The day before rent, actually. Wow. Yeah. So, uh, you know, we were like the old guard that had been replaced by the new movement. Yeah. Um, not that rent, as we can tell, was the beginning of a movement. That, right. I mean, big big new shows are always considered to be the beginning of a of a new age, and they never are. Yeah. Yeah. West Side Story was going to bring years of dance musicals. Never happened. Yeah, uh, right. Rent was going to bring, uh, you know. Lots of edgy modern shows it never happen. Um, huh. you, you do not want to be the next show that brings in rap and put it on Broadway because it's not going to be <laughs> totally. It's going to be cream. There's no way. You know. uh, Jefferson the musical. Jefferson yeah. The musical. Yeah. yeah. Well, he was really. He had learned. I mean, because he was a straight play director, and, and he yeah. had learned from two big hit musicals that he had this gift for yes. doing. Um, you know, these sort of period shows that had pre-existing scores. Nothing had prepared him for an original score. and He didn't know how to take care of it. Right. Uh, he didn't know how to, to... You make the scene work, including the song. You know? Right, right. And, and uh, uh, I don't think he knew that. Um, and uh, so, uh, you know... It, 
the, the we were in many cases not not really happy with the way, the way the show was going. It was brilliantly produced. It was beautifully designed. It was a you know it was lovely. In, um, in those, it got a very good review from the New York Times. It did. It did. Yeah, but not very good from the other ones. Uh, it's still performed quite frequently. Not as much as you'd think. It's oh, really? in schools. There's a school version of it. Yes. But the big deal is that and we're going over, David and John and I, <clears throat> on the 10th of November to see the tr- out-of-town tryout in London. It's, oh. It's, it's, going to, going, it's opening in Plymouth. Oh, marvelous. And it comes to Dublin, and if it goes well, it will come into the West End. Oh, so my goodness. That that's be fantastic. Great. Oh, best of luck. Congratulations. Oh. Yeah, so that's really good. We... We had pre-committed um, after the Broadway run to a national tour. And yes. That was booked already. Um, but we decided that we wanted to uh, relook at it. And we went back and uh, uh, Eric Schaefer joined us as the director. And, and uh, we would play the songs that were had written, we had written originally. He said, well, that's better than what you have. Why don't you use that? So we aggressively went back and put Six or seven of the original songs back in the show, and, that, ju- and just so I'm clear, that's what was on the tour, or that's what's happening that, right now. That was what was on the tour, and that's largely what what the, what the show is now. Oh, marvelous! Yeah. We wish you the best of oh, luck yeah. with yeah, that. We, really we glad did it. That. We did it in, at the York Theater. You know, in a, sort of a uh, one of their mufti, you know, totally. script in hand yeah. productions, yep. um, in, in which I appeared, by the way. Oh. I think I remember <laughs> something about this. Were you the guy? The guy who was playing the part of Macmillan, the toy company, uh, simply failed to show up for the first performance. It's, Oops! It's two ten, and the stage manager saying, "I can't find him. I can't find him." It's two fifteen. He's still not there. I said, "Well, to highlight a script with you know his lines, because I can at least go out there and read them." Uh, but I'm still thinking he's going to come in, and then. They sort of stall the curtain, and then suddenly the show is starting, and I suddenly and you're, like, I'm going out there, <laughs> and uh, I didn't know the score. Uh, I didn't. So, and it came back. It was amazing, amazing how it came back. Um, I had seen the dress rehearsal before, so I pretty much knew what the blocking oh my was. Gosh. And uh, John Tartaglia, who's just a great, of course, guy, he said, "Don't worry, I'll, I'll." Pull you wherever you have to go. Shove with love. Uh, <laughs> shove with love. <laughs> shove with love. Exactly what. Exactly what it was. And, and, oh my uh, goodness! There was one moment though where I had, I, I, I didn't. Uh, this, the, the coffee black number. There was a you know, big long sequence that I had, and I got through it all, and I was so pleased with myself. <laughs> and I turned the page, and there was a page full of yellowed lines. I went, Uh-oh. "What's that?" <laughs> I thought I was finished, and there's another whole scene <laughs> oh, sung. Oh my goodness! And but it just came; everything came back like the 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 bar before I, you know, I had to say the line. That's Sometimes amazing. On the line. That's incredible. So a, a, coll- a collaboration with Mr. Shire that's lasted since your freshman year of college. What does it take to maintain a collaboration? You know, you guys are still talking. Well, someone t- asked me that recently, and I, I the answer that came to my mind was that the the secret is that it's never ever um his idea is better than mine or Uh there never is any sense of it's my idea uh or it's my thought or this is the way i think it should go it 
Um, if we disagree, one of us will convince the other. The other may say, well, I don't like it, but we'll try it and we'll see. And, you know, and usually I find out that the other person was right. Uh, you know, um, we uh, are always jointly working on the solution, which is not necessarily his idea or mine, mm -hmm. you know. Um, and uh, I think that, you know, Collaboration's founder is the moment one person says it has to be my way. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. Laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, over prohibited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.